Welcome to the Christian Wealth Podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth, and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. 96.3, catching up with Alex Cook from Wealth With Purpose. Good morning, Alex. How are you this morning? I'm great, Ross. Great to be with you. Excellent. Always love catching up because we learn something that, uh, look, it can be challenging, it can be difficult, and it's sometimes things that we uh, that we ignore, but uh, always biblical-based, uh, as is today, prosperity. Now, there's an interesting uh, topic. Could be a little bit of a hot potato here. <laughs> but what is the biblical... Oh, yeah. Pres- yes. <laughs> What's the biblical position on mm. prosperity, Alex? Yes, well, as you say, a bit of a hot potato. And look, I think one of the sad things in the church is um, prosperity is a good word, and I think it's uh, a good, prosperity is a good thing from God. Mm. Um, but because of the, its misuse in you know in some churches around the world uh, and being taken you know too far and out of context, you know many people you know shun the idea of it and what and so what we want to do this morning is lay out what is a a biblical position on it um and so forth but start first though just with a dictionary definition as opposed to a biblical one so the dictionary definition is a sort of successful flourishing or thriving condition especially in financial respects and good fortune that's a dictionary definition, but I think that, that when you take that and you really apply it from a biblical standpoint, to me, the great word out of that dictionary definition is flourishing. Mm. So to me, prosperity is a holistic concept in all areas of our life, and it, so biblical prosperity is when we flourish in all the different areas of our life uh, that God gives us. So we should flourish you know, relationally, you know, whether it's just with our general social contacts or with our marriages, financially, physically, and of course, importantly, spiritually, our relationship with God should flourish and grow over time. Um, But if we narrow it down to the money side of things, which is obviously our interest as a stewardship ministry, Mm. to me, I don't define financial prosperity as someone who is wealthy. I think that's sort of the misconception. You know, if you give X, Y, Z amount of dollars, you know, you'll end up rich, that kind of bad teaching that's been out there over the years. But to me, it's someone who has what I would call financial well-being. That is, they're not enslaved by their money. Now, the Bible talks about the fact that you can be enslaved by it, really in probably in two main ways. One is you can be enslaved practically by having too much debt but the other way you can be enslaved to money is in a spiritual sense by having fallen in love with money you know you've made money an idol in your life you're worshiping mammon uh, if you like as um, you know the king james uses the word mammon and so that to me is someone who is you know they're not financially prosperous some someone who is though their needs get met so it's not about having every want that we ever have that we have or desire satisfied but our needs get met uh, and we can look after our families effectively and we can get ahead. You don't necessarily have to have large amounts of money at all. You know, in fact, I would argue someone who's, you know, 21 years of age, fresh out of uni with little money, they can still have financial well-being. You know, they're not enslaved to it. They have the right attitude towards it. They may not have lots of money, but they're still doing okay. You know, they're still in a position of financial well-being. I guess the two the two scriptures that sort of support this is the um, 3 John 
1 2 says, you know, beloved, I pray that in all respect you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So, as I say, it's a holistic thing. Another good one is from Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, or when you make your way prosperous, and then you will achieve success. So there's a really interesting thing there, if you like, there's almost a condition to it, you know, and that is that we need to meditate on God's word day and night. And, you know, most pastors will teach this, you know, that you should spend a lot of time in God's word day and night, you know, when you get up and when you go to bed, mm. and that will actually lead to good things happening in your life. Now, of course, we are in a fallen world, doesn't mean nothing bad will ever happen, <laughs> quite, quite, the op- quite the opposite, you know, the Bible warns us that things will happen, we will suffer. Mm. But when you live by the Bible, one of the outcomes of that will ultimately be that potentially, you know, prospering in all things. So that to me is what it's about. It's about well-being in, in all the different areas of our life as God intended, not some sort of super, you know, material wealth, yeah. which is how it's often wrongly uh, positioned. Look like, and I'll have a supplementary question there as well. How do we actually achieve it? Mm, mm, very good questions. Look, to me, I, I define it as financial well-being, not material wealth. Now, it's not that wealth is bad, by the way. I think some Christians have this view that wealth is somehow a bad thing. We, we shouldn't have anything to do with it. I actually think wealth it can be a very useful tool for doing good, for solving lots of problems, you know, helping the poor and so forth. So wealth is a, is a good thing. Um, the danger, of course, um, when people do become financially prosperous in a material sense is that they lose their faith. You know, they fall away from God and they turn their back on him and they say, you know, they feel they're self-made. Mm. Um, but to me, finan- this financial well-being really has sort of two dimensions to it. One is the spiritual dimension. You know, that money is in its rightful place. You know, God is elevated and money is simply a tool. God is glorified, not the person who has the money. And, and money is seen as a tool for, for doing good. Yeah. So that to me is, I guess, the spiritual dimension. And we see that the money that we actually have is from God and it's for God. It's for his kingdom mm. um, rather than building our own kingdom. It has that sort of eternal perspective to it, uh, which is very liberating when you have that eternal perspective rather than this constant drive for more in your own life, which is the way you know the world sort of positions us. Right. Um, but then I think there's a practical dimension too. And to me, the practical dimension is uh, that someone who is financial has financial well-being, uh, they're going to be have debt that is manageable. You know, they're not enslaved to it. Uh, their needs are met, so not every desire and want will be met, but mm. certainly all their needs will be met. Their family is well looked after. They're able to save and get ahead. And, and money is not a source of tension in their relationships, which you know clearly it is in many people these days. So they're they're to me, I guess, a spiritual dimension to this you know, financial well-being and then the practical one. But then in terms of, well, how do you actually achieve it? And this is where I think it's probably counter to our society. Our society says, right, mm. you know, you're first in your life. You you go out there and you make as much as you can kind of thing. Well, the Bible actually flips that on its head and says, no, actually, you put God first in your life. Mm. You seek first his kingdom, you know, Matthew 6, 33. Yeah. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, he'll take care of you. Um, and you learn uh, what God's word is in relation to finances and you'll buy it. You know, as I say, that passage from Joshua 1 verse 8, when it talks about achieving prosperity and success, talks about the need to meditate on God's word day and night. And I think that's why it becomes holistic, because if you do read God's word, you know, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, 
you're soaking yourself in messages from God. Mm. You know, during the day we're bombarded with the world's messages, but when you're soaking yourself in God's word, you know, it's, it's going to change you over time. You know, the, the, God is going to speak to you through his word and that will change you. And of course, being generous, being generous. You know, the Bible talks about the concept of, you know, reaping what you sow. A generous person will, will sow, uh, will reap generously. And so th- these kind of concepts are absolutely uh, critical. Now, as I say, it doesn't counter the fact that things can go wrong in, in our lives and, you know, we live in a fallen world. But it needs to be about thinking about prosperity is not about, you know, what we get, but it's around about what we give, yeah, exactly. giving generously, giving love, forgiving, etc. cetera. Um, and, and of course, remembering that any prosperity we have is from the Lord. Alex, you always recommend read the fine print, read the caveats. What is the danger of prosperity? <laughs> yes, well, there is a bit. I think that a real danger with prosperity is that um, uh, we become sort of self-reliant. We start thinking that our good fortune is due to us and our own efforts, uh, and we, 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 we stop acknowledging God in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite verses is Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, where it says, Remember the Lord, for it is he who gives the ability to gain wealth. And I think when I look at us, often us as individuals, but also collectively as a society, as people do prosper in a financial sense, uh, they forget God. And that, I think, is the real danger to it. So we need to own prosperity as being a good word and and a gift from God. But we also need to understand that uh, it is from him. It's not, uh, you know, us being superstars in in achieving greatness. Um, And of course, we can always point, when you look at scripture, you can always point to uh, Christians who aren't prosperous in a financial sense, and I think we need to ask the question why. Mm. And as I've said, we you know we live in a, in a, a fallen world, and there are people who live in us unjust societies where it is very difficult to get ahead because of the the way those societies are structured, where wealth is concentrated at the top, or there's unjust laws, or the rule of law doesn't apply well. There's all sorts of reasons where prosperity can be pulled out of those society. We're very fortunate in Australia, which even though I think the middle class is in decline um, for various reasons, Mm. um, there's a faulty ideology going forward. But if we look at our past, we've been enormously prosperous as a society um, because it was built on Judeo-Christian foundations. Mm. Um, And many societies around the world are not like that. Of course, the Bible also points to us that we we will face trials in life. Um, And I think... My, my sort of belief is sometimes God intentionally withholds from some people, not because he's cruel, but because he loves them and he doesn't want to see uh, money harm them. Uh, as I said you know, previously, money, if you fall in love with it, you can end up worshipping it and money can do you harm. And so I think sometimes God withholds people because they're not mature enough yeah. to, to handle it well and to be, you know, I think it was once I read somewhere, 95% of Christians can survive, uh, you know, can, they can survive persecution, but 95% of Christians cannot survive being wealthy. You know, they can't, you know, it's, yeah. in other words, it's, it's, a, it's something that can become dangerous. Exactly I'd like right. to think it wouldn't be because I think I'd like to think we can use it as a tool for doing good. You know, mm-hmm. I'd like to have more wealthy Christians doing good with what they have. You know, the Bible warns us it can be a hot potato if we're not careful with it. 
if we, and if we don't guard our hearts, you know, there is this danger that we fall into self-reliance and believing it's because we're so great when in fact, no, it's God, God who's so, God is so great yeah. and God who is so generous to us. That's exactly right. And so we just need to remember that. Uh, good one. Alex, if our listeners are listening right now thinking I need to uh, get on top of my money, I'd like to be prosperous, and uh, but I need the right headspace to do it. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, look, jump on wealthwithpurpose.com. That's our uh, website with lots of information there, lots of ebooks to read up on all these kind of topics, blogs, and uh, you know past recordings that you and I have done, and so forth, uh, where they can continue just to build their biblical knowledge, you know, meditate on God's word, as I say, uh, as well as get the practical financial information they need to uh, to get ahead. So Sounds yeah, wealthwithpurpose.com, place to go. Wonderful, Alex Cook from Wealth with Purpose. Thanks very much for your time this morning, Alex. My pleasure, Ross. And we'll do it again next week on 96.3.